The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell and joining us on the phone is a congresswoman who represents Florida's 24th district. Representative Frederica Wilson is here. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you, Zerlina. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm trying to, um, you know, have a good positive start to my new year. I'm trying to plan things that make me feel joy on a regular basis. That's where I'm focused in 2023. How about you? That sounds good. I'm trying to send more and more young boys to college. I love that. I'm focusing on. (laughs) I love that. And, 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 you know, we're going to get into, um, you know, some of the things that you're passionate about because, um, as you said, you've been so focused on education and in throughout the course of your entire career. Um, but I want to start with a speech you gave on the House floor um, recently, which we played um, a large piece of. And I want I want people to understand you hadn't I had not seen that you had told the story before. So why why did you decide that this was the moment you wanted to come onto the House floor and talk about your own experience um, with uh, you know, the the journey of, of reproductive health care, which I think a lot of American women could relate to. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was, <clears throat> you know, we went through the whole abortion debacle, Zoe v. Wade and um, Roe v. Wade. And the night before, I had a conversation with my staff as I was leaving to go home. And one of them said, you know, Congresswoman, if all if we do a complete ban of abortions, the number one state that will be impacted is Florida. You know, we have an immigrant-rich state and lots of poor people, Title I, everything. So I said, really? And 40% of the people impacted will be black women. And I went home that night, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and it was almost like God said, Frederica, speak. Speak tomorrow. Tell your story, and maybe the Republican men will understand abortion is not just about people who have decided that they are not ready yet to have a child, but it's about people who are in danger of losing their lives is maternal health care. It's emergencies. It's our death decisions. So I sat up in the bed and I started writing and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. But I started off by letting everyone know that this was the most haunting time in my life. Mm -hmm. I I just didn't think I was going to make it through. And so many women in my 
same age bracket, I am sure, went through the same experiences. And this happened maybe about five years before Roe v. Wade became law. And I have other stories I can tell uh, that are not, that, that don't personally impact me, but friends. I lost friends who died in college trying to have a backdoor abortion. One of them, a boyfriend, committed suicide after she died. It was a terrible time. And just to think that we're going to let this nation revert and go back to those days, it's unconscionable. It is unconscionable. And I think that when, I mean, one of the things that I don't love is that people are um, in this particular moment, um, you know, compelled, as you were, to tell stories like this, because these are heart-wrenching stories. And as you said, you, you know, this was a dark time, right? And it's it's not something that you want to get up in front of everyone and re, re relive or, or to go there because, you know, life is, life's traumas. I feel like, you know, it's, it's, the goal is to move forward um, from them and you don't want to sort of dwell on it or look back too much. But in this moment, it's critically important to do that because I think that one of the perhaps missteps by Republicans and the anti-choice movement is that they at least pretended not to know or didn't care that when you're when you're talking about abortion access, you're talking about the full scope of health care when it comes to women's and people's reproduction and that you're talking about miscarriages. You're talking about, in, in, in your case, stillbirth. You're talking about people not being able to get the health care that they need. And, you know, we've we've already seen the reported stories about doctors on the phone with, the you know, the lawyers to see if they can actually care for someone who is in need of care and who's literally dying um, in front of them um, because of these new abortion laws. Do you think Republicans were impacted at all by your story? Did they, any of them come up to you after and say, wow, that was powerful? Do, do you feel like any of this actually affects them emotionally when, when these stories are presented to them as evidence that these laws are too, you know, too extreme and and potentially harmful um, to the lives and health of people who can get pregnant. Well, I do know that on uh, my Twitter page and uh, Instagram, I got lots of responses from Republicans, mm. and they were saying things like, uh, "I'm a Republican. I never thought of it this way. Thank you for sharing. We know it hurts. You have our deepest sympathy." Things like that, and we never it, it never occurred to us this would happen. They were not necessarily elected officials, but it was constituent. You know, it was like over a million people mm-hmm. were responding, and these they so many took uh, the liberty to say that they were Republicans or that they were against abortion, but they never thought of it. Uh, this way or they never experienced that angle so I believe that if it uh, comes to a point where we are going to ban abortion across the uh, country that I will have to continue 
on this bandwagon. And I'm thinking in my mind every day, what am I going to do? How do I get other women who experienced those same sort of emergencies, those death uh, door experiences, I call them, and emotional experiences? I lost 50 pounds. I couldn't walk. I was so grief-stricken. Can you imagine, first of all, coming to terms with the fact that your baby died? Mm. It's hard to lose a child. That's, that's the main thing. So here I am knowing that my firstborn died, but then I have to carry the corpse inside of me for two and a half months. I mean, who, how horrible. And the doctor who insisted that I see him every other day just to monitor to see if I was going to go into septic shock was saying to my parents and my husband, there's nothing we can do. We cannot induce labor. See, and if I had not, if I didn't have a doctor, maybe I could have gone to a back alley abortion clinic but I couldn't, you know, after that, because he would have reported me. The doctor, by law, he would have had to report me. So there I was in a catch-22. And it was just a traumatic, traumatic situation. It was heart-wrenching. And then after we buried the baby, what was left of the baby, when it would rain, I would just cry. And say to my husband that it's raining in my baby's face. Mm. I, I was just like an insane lady. That was a real mental health episode for me the entire time. And I was a little uh, head start teacher. I was a teacher. And I had a TV show. It was called Three, Four, Knock on the Door for Head Start Children. And what made this so more gut-wrenching for me, when I became pregnant, my mother said to me, you should not report to the studio because, you know, now you have to think about it. This was almost 50, this was 50 years ago. Right. Yeah. She said the radiation from the cameras is probably affecting the baby. So as the baby grew and my stomach extended, we didn't want the Head Start children to see that I was pregnant. So, you know, they adjusted the cameras, and I said it to her. I said, well, you know, they're really focusing on my face and not on my belly. So then she got to be, you know, she calmed down. And then when the baby died, she made a mistake, and I heard her say, I told Frederick." that the radiation was harmful to the baby. And that just put the biggest guilt trip on my shoulder, and I just couldn't recover. It was just awful, an awful time in my life. So I, I, have, I feel a little relieved that I've gotten it out. I said it. I meant it. Uh, the New York Times wanted to know, what was the hospital, what hospital it was, the year, the father's name, you know, all of this, so they could do their background mm-hmm. check. 
before they wrote it just to make sure that it was true. I mean, everybody in Miami knew. It was awful, awful. I mean, I'm glad the New York Times is fact-checking, as they would naturally do, but I think that um, the, the important thing here is that your story is an example of why the current government policy in many states on the issue of abortion is inhumane. That is what your story demonstrates. And I think that more people need to understand that, that we are basically living in a moment post-Dobbs where a lot of people are going to be in your position because even if, even if they never even talked about the word abortion, because it impacts them even if they didn't realize it until they're in that specific situation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, it's not just going to be Democrats. Right. And it's not just going to be black women. It's going to be Republicans. It's going to be black, white, Hispanics. But statistics show us that black maternal health care is number one in this nation that's neglected. So it's going to impact, according to all of the statistics that were brought to my attention, it will be black women. So this is a very critical time in our nation. And I think we need to rise up and continue to march and uh, protest and sit in. And I, uh, this is this is just how serious this is. Right. So you know, I'm 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 ready for the fight. I'm ready for the fight. When you when you mentioned um, the, the rates of maternal mortality for Black women, let's talk about that. I mean, why is why is the current policy? Um, you know, a huge risk for the lives and safety of black women in particular. I want to continue to hone in on that point because it's not one, when the Dobbs decision came down, I mean, there were probably a few analysts on my television that were black women talking about it. But for the most part, the choice movement, the face of the choice movement since um, the 1960s, since Roe, had been mostly white women. Um, But they're not the, the, the folks who are going to be the most impacted by lack of access. So let's talk about black maternal mortality and how you see it, see the risks um, in this current moment where black women most affected by these changes to um, access uh, for abortion care and really just health care. Well, I think that uh, the, the um, term access, the word access is uh, very important to focus on. And I think about my Uh, personal situation if I were a white woman and had means I could have gotten on an airplane and my uh, family could have taken me to Switzerland or someplace else and immediately I would have been a they would have induced labor but so that it's access it's uh, poverty it also has a lot to do with the misconception that black women can bear the pain uh, whatever they complain about it's put on the back burner because we've been taught since slavery that we're strong we have to carry the nation of black men and black children on our shoulders and that's what we do so I think that even black doctors uh, statistics have shown us misdiagnose black women and what they complain about and their level of pain tolerance, all of that is 
uh, misdiagnosed when it comes to black women. So we have uh, a harder time accessing health care. We also have a hard time determining um, what and when it's best to seek health care because we have to work so hard. Right. We have to work, and when we take off from work, we lose wages. Right. And in so many instances, we are the breadwinners for our families, not just our children, but our parents and every. We are the strength of this nation, and that's why. And it's, and it's so sad, and it's something that many of us in Congress are focusing on. And, you know, we have uh, hearings, and um, there's a whole element in the Congressional Black Caucus that speaks of it, but it, 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 you are absolutely right when they speak of health care, when they speak of maternal health care, when they speak of abortion, it's always a white woman's face. And there are a lot of black women that have stories and experiences and who would be phenomenal ambassadors on this topic, but they're never selected or chosen. Well, let's change that in the future, we hope. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the future in the House because um, you're in the minority now. Um, House uh, Republican majority um, obviously had a, a little bit of a hard time picking a speaker. You were there for all of that fun. Um, how was it? What were you thinking during the 15 <laughs> rounds of voting? Were you watching Netflix? What were you doing? I was just like astounded. <laughs> <laughs> This has not happened in 100 years. And I was looking the entire time at Mr. McCarthy, and I said, this man is just uh, uh, phenomenal to to try to be speaker for all of these people who do not want him. I never could imagine someone wanting to be the speaker that much, that he would have to throw away the baby and the bathwater at the same time in order to become a speaker. But I really felt a little sorry about Mr. Donalds, who mm. I think they used as a little pawn to uh, throw shade on um, Hart King Jeffries about being the first black uh, leader in any party, uh, any chamber. And I, I, that, you know, because of my civil rights active, uh, activities uh, growing up during the civil rights days, I'm always looking for things like that. And that's what I could see. And I, I was really insulted by that. And uh, I did have a sidebar conversation with him. He is from Florida. And I told him, I said, don't let them use you like that. You don't have 108, you don't, you don't have 218 votes. So until you even get close, don't allow them to do that to you. I think he listened, but it was like a, um, a Ferris wheel. It was like a, 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 a robocall. It was, it was just anything you can think of that just goes, goes on and on and on. 
and it was quite entertaining for Democrats. You know, we were laughing and poking fun because it was a show. Right. And it was a show of a lot of people who are not sane, who are dealing with mental health issues. It was clear. And he was allowing them to use him as a toy, just back and forth, whatever they said. It was so pathetic at point at a point when you could see he was <clears throat> going someplace to beg them, please let me be your speaker. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to myself, he is asking for hell because that's what he's going to go through. He is in the lion's den right now, and nothing will be smooth. It's going to be just a, a train wreck. And uh, we're going to watch and we're going to try to hold our reins tight and we're going to stick together as a Democratic caucus. You know, we're a big tent and we have progressives, we have liberals, we have uh, everything that you could think of. But we have decided that we're going to be one and watch them as we take back the House in 24. That's what's going to happen. We're going to watch them try to investigate and criticize us, and and uh, we're going to hold tight because we have to protect mm-hmm. Social Security, and we have to protect Medicare, mm-hmm. and we have to message to the American people exactly what they're all about. And they're not going to be putting forth any legislation that's going to help the American Mm -hmm. people. Everything that they're proposing will destroy everything that Democrats built. When you think about Democrats, Democrats deliver. We deliver Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid, everything that uh, that you can think of that is good for ordinary citizens, we delivered it. It's an important point about Medicare and Social Security because I think that, you know, it's it's fun to, maybe not fun is the right word, but, but sometimes it's interesting to talk about some of these characters that they put on committees and the chaos that we saw with the 15 rounds of voting, but um, the, what, the impact on the American people um, is something that we cannot forget. Representative Frederica Wilson of Florida's 24th District, thank you for being here this morning. Please stay safe. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.